the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody, this is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land, Grant, Holy Land. As always, I'm joined by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? Doing good. Busy, man. I got homework to do after this, so, uh, but I'm, I'm good. Uh, get paid tomorrow? I mean, it's Thursday, man. It's Thursday. I can't complain too much about Thursday. I say this every week, but it's true. It's true. Why it's why uh, recording on a Thursday is one of those nice things. It's like yes, the week's oh, the week's pretty much over after we record, honestly. And just getting through that workday Friday, cleaning up the cleaning up whatever you've got for Monday through Thursday. You're just heading into the weekend, and yeah, I mean we're only a few weekends out, honestly. Like it's getting to the point where you could count the weekends on your fingers till we get back to college football. Yeah, I need it. I need it. It's crazy. Um, can't believe it's so close, but it is. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. I mean, we're starting to get a lot of announcements about scheduling. We're starting to get a lot of movement. And for the last few weeks, you know, those NIL stories, at least in relationship to Ohio State and the Big Ten and quite a few of these other um Stories are kind of dying down just because it feels like like I know they're in like some sort of recruiting dead period, but overall it's just a very quiet time in college football. And usually this would start happening before we had the inclusion of NIL news cycles, before recruiting kind of became as massive as it is as an industry. Like now we're just kind of finally settling down. And it's like, oh, here's a commitment every once in a while. Here's this, you know. All the official visits are pretty much done until the season, so it's it's just that time of year now. Uh, we're just waiting. We're chomping at the bit. College football is on the horizon. You know, I could literally feel the energy starting to shift when I'm on the internet. When I'm like talking about this stuff, it's 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 here. It's almost here. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I need it. I need it. I need college football. I'm tired of uh, talk. Well, first of all, I'm tired of reading people who know nothing about football. This is um, undoubtedly silly season where you start seeing a bunch of stupid stuff. And I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to be a better person and stop arguing with people about saying stupid stuff uh and i'm ready for like real football i i for the people who you know do know football i'm excited because we're starting to get like conference previews and things like that it's just like time to like stop talking about off-field stuff like coaching hires and you know like i know you're a lincoln riley hater but and maybe i should have named someone from the big 12 but like I actually, we're actually going to get to see what Brent Venables looks like as a coach yeah. instead of me telling you all that I don't think he's going to be good. And that's more long term. We don't have to get into that right now. We can get into that later. Uh, but like we finally just get to see it. Like, you know, I'm tired of talking about what Justin Fry and the offensive line is going to look like. The hypothetical. I want to watch some games. I want to react to some games. I want to look at some stats. So, 
this is the time where it starts getting real and we really get to get into some on-field stuff and not the and NIL is I'm, t- I'm a tired talking about because we're not pocket watchers we, we've said that a hundred times on this show we don't like to talk about other people's money we like to appreciate that the players and athletes are finally getting paid and like I, I I mean to be honest if a recruit wants to take five million dollars to go to a school out of high school regardless of the legalities I'm not that mad about it honestly that might be a hot take at this point but like why do we care so much about how much money these kids are making uh, like off a billion dollar industry not news to me anymore if some yeah, guy I just wants to funnel blood money through something called Life Wallet to pay recruits to go to Miami and like transfer targets to go to Miami, that's his, that's what he can do. If you have the money, it's your prerogative. Yeah, I'm gonna say what I say all the time. I wouldn't give money to someone that's never played a, a down in college football. I think it's hilarious um, that like all of these people, and it's so easy to see, right? The amount of five-star quarterbacks that actually work out, right? Yeah. That actually have a good career, that don't transfer, uh, that make it to the league, first-round pick, any of that kind of stuff. It's slim every single year. It's always slim. And so, yeah, I'm just like – and that's just quarterbacks. We're not even going to talk about other positions. Yeah. Uh, quarterback probably has a higher miss rate, but, like, there's misses everywhere. So – I don't care how much money you get. I don't care who the money comes from. I don't care who the money goes to. I wouldn't give it, but I'm also not rich. So my opinion don't matter. I don't want to yeah. talk about it no more. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, you know, I like I like to stick with the standard recruiting stuff in the offseason. I like to stick with the, hey, like, are these receivers actually going to be good at football this year? You know, we, we I got to the point of a lot of skepticism in June, and now I'm back to like, all right, I'm just excited. Let's watch some football. And that's why I needed that. I needed that turn of the calendar to get me to the point where I'm like, football is coming. I don't need to like keep being crazy. I'm going to get to see everything I've been thinking about since the Rose Bowl come into fruition. That's what it's all about. And uh, if if you did uh, pay all the money to shake Ryan Day's hand at the NIL function that's coming up for the foundation, I, I would like to talk to you. Uh, so DM me on Twitter if you spent the money and shook Ryan Day's hand. I just want to see what it was like because I'm not spending $100,000 to do that. Plus, journalistic integrity and all that. But, um, yeah, let's get started. Let's get into the first thing tonight. Uh, we we were very big on this last year. It was one of our things we really hammered the drum on. Uh, Ohio State, you know, they're going into this season with some interesting – themes like not interesting themes but they're going with multiple themes which to me is interesting you know i think we've had a few issues with fan engagement over the past years i think you know with covid coming back from covid there's still a lot of like iffiness and this is like finally the time where i think you could the stadium should feel like what ohio stadiums felt like in the past again so ohio state this year they're doing a scarlet out game against iowa on october 22nd they're doing a blackout game against Wisconsin on September 24th, and then they're doing their 100th anniversary of Ohio Stadium celebration against Rutgers on October 1st. So uh, we've got quite a few themes. Um, 
I, I like the themes. I was always like, when Ohio State decided to do a blackout when I was in school, I was like, that's going to be an incredibly fun day. I personally prefer to wear black because it is slimming, uh, mainly, and I think it just looks better on me than the bright scarlet. But I like the blackout. I know this is the fun debate. Like, like you know, I like scarlet out because it's easy. Every Ohio State fan should own some scarlet. But the blackout game, it's not that hard. And it's always the old guys in, like, Section AA, like the people who are a little bit like, oh, I'm an Ohio State fan. I'm just going to wear the classic Scarlet. And they kind of ruin, like, the blackout effect. And I'm tired of that, but I think that's fun. If, like, Ohio State could finally go all out for a blackout game, I think you could start getting some national recognition. Yeah, I think the Scarlet out is going to be the one that gets it, though. Yeah, it just it the Scarlet Out makes much more sense. Um, it doesn't have the old like, and I say old fans because they're the ones who are like black's not a color for Ohio State, and it, like it actually is a school color. But that's not like an argument they're willing to hear. It's scarlet and gray, and that's what they wear. So, uh, just thinking about it, I I would like to see and like Scarlet Out against Iowa. You know, like. That's a revenge game in a lot of ways from a few years back. I know this one's always on the schedule. It's always people are predicting it way out. Oh, that's a trap game. It's not a trap game. Iowa consistently contends with Ohio State because they don't see each other that often. and They play a different style of football. Wisconsin, a blackout game against them. I think that's going to be fun. I just think it is. And then the 100-year celebration. It is crazy to me that Ohio Stadium's 100 years old, like just thinking about the number there, like – it's been renovated. It's been touched up. But overall, just that horseshoe shape has been there for a hundred years. And that's it's it's one of the true landmarks of college football. So that's in a very exciting. It's going to be a very exciting night. And I think you're going to get a lot of players back. So it should just be a good time. Yeah, that's going to be really fun. A uh, hundred years is like unfathomable. Yeah, I feel like, like if you really think about it. Like, okay. it's just like one thing a hundred years and you, and you think about like, um, I don't always watch time lapse videos, but and I don't even know if this would be possible. It'd be interesting to see like a time lapse video of Columbus with of like the skyline that has, you know, the stadium um, in it. Yeah, that has the stadium in it and just see like a hundred years ago, like the stadium was probably the biggest thing in the city. And now there's skyscraper. I don't know if you consider them skyscrapers They're not like New York's, but there are big buildings, uh, you know, in tall downtown, buildings, yeah. uh, corporate areas, downtown, all this other kind of stuff. And it's like the one thing that has stayed. And I mean, you drive by the stadium, there's a, a lot of construction. They're putting up a lot of parking garages. I don't know if that's football parking or not, but a lot of parking garages, expanding the hospital, all this other kind of stuff. So for the fact that like that one thing has been there for so long is uh, interesting. Yeah, very identifying landmark in central Ohio for sure. Uh, I mean, I, there's so many incredible like football players who have gone through that stadium you know you've got Archie Griffin you've got Chase Young you've got like list and long list uh uh Chick Harley like you go all the way back to when the stadium was built like that's just how crazy this is like the amount of legends that have played in the stadium that's what that night's going to represent it's going to represent that and when you talk about Ohio State University like there is a very uh, symbiotic relationship between Ohio State football and the university itself. And 
I just think that night will have such a positive energy. And I feel really bad for Rutgers. I think that's going to be a game where, honestly, Ohio State starts out a little slow just because of all the hoop loss surrounding the 100 years. But overall, it's going to be a game where they end up winning like 63 to 10. And everyone's going to be like, man, what a 100-year anniversary. What a way to celebrate. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because I wonder how much the players care about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I imagine, like, the coaches and the players, like, they'll probably have, like, a patch. But I, I bet you it doesn't even get talked about in practice. No, and the thing is, it's not really the their mindset's going to be different. It's just there's going to be so much going on in the field. It's just going to throw them out of their, like, game day rhythm, honestly. And that's that happens when you get into these, like, celebratory-type events. Yeah. It's Rutgers, though, so yeah. they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, um, that's the best part. The 100 years wasn't against a team that could actually beat them in 100 years. So how many times would Rutgers beat Ohio State in 100 years? Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm i pausing because – and that's bad podcasting, but I, I just can't – like, if you give them 100 opportunities to play Ohio State – they, they can't to, lose, they can't lose one of them. They can't lose a hundred of them. Like, I, I mean, honestly, like the safe bet would say ten, right? Like just being a math I guy. I think that's too much. Like five how to ten is, is where I'd be. Like a hundred years is a long has time. Been, how long has Rutgers been in the Big Ten? Uh, since two thousand fourteen. No, two thousand fourteen. So that's eight years. Yeah. And they're zero and eight. Yeah. So, well, no. I mean, if they go 0-10, like, well, reasonably, you could mathematically say, like, they will go 0 for 100. Yeah, I'd say, like, 3. 3 and 97, God. Like, like with Greg Schiano, right, because he's a pretty decent coach, could Rutgers have beaten Ohio State during the Luke Fickle year? They would need a year that bad to do it. And even then... It's still like it eh, would take Rutgers' best team in the decade to beat them. Like I, I, I like thinking about Big East Rutgers, like when Ohio State was not like the best team in like 2007 or or like after when they had Todd Beckman and they made the national championship. That wasn't the most exciting team, but they were still not going to get touched by Rutgers. You know, 2008, 2009, like maybe when Joe Bowserman was the starting quarterback for those like two games. They could have – their best team probably had a shot. But realistically, five out of 100 times, I think they might win. And that's generous, no. honestly. Yeah. And I that, think like, I'd say like – It's like an unrealistic thing to say because like what if like New Jersey just becomes like a football power state in like 20 years and like they're just insane. Like, you know, you can't predict that stuff like – New Jersey becomes the new football, like true football hotbed, like like Florida per capita. They've put in like sixty percent of like their Division One athletes. They put out to the NFL. It's like what those crazy stats. I think that's Louisiana actually. That's like that crazy ratio. All right, but yeah, scarlet out, blackout. You know, I wrote an article a few weeks back. Um, I can't remember which one. It was uh, like. It was an opinion one where it's like one of your hottest takes about Ohio State and like the home field advantage is not that good right now. So like looking back on it, I remember in my time in school, the home field advantage from 
2017 to 2019 progressively worsened. And Ohio State's expectations also increased each year. So, well, in 2018, they had a bad defense. So, like, that kind of hurt the expectations as well. But generally, it felt like 2017 environment, absurd. 2018 fell off a little bit. 2019 rose up in the very big games, but all the bad games, it was not good. And, you know, there's been players in the past who are like, yeah, you know, it's big and it's loud at times, but it, it takes a little bit for them to get into the game. And, like, that's not home field advantage to me. That's not what, like, you want your powerhouse football program to be what it should be said about it. So, like, do these Steve Knights help? I think they do. I think they bring some energy. But overall, do you think – with the time, with all that, do you think Ohio State's home field advantage can return to what it felt like it was previously? So I don't think home field advantage really exists if we're really, really talking about it, honestly. Um, but this is okay. This is what I would say, though. Against good teams. Yeah. Great team. I think we can I even know. change it from home field advantage to just like encapsulating epic game day environment. Like when you go into Ohio stadium, you're like, wow, this place is awesome. Cause I think we're on the same page. Like home field advantage is worth uh, to money. Like betters. It's one point. Like that's a max. That's nothing. So when you think about that, like the environment itself, like you go in there, do those chills come down your spine? And are you like, this is the best place I've ever played a football game. Cause that's what matters to recruits. So I think that I think you're asking two different things. I think when you're talking about like the fans recruiting, all of that kind of stuff, Ohio State's never going to lose that by simple fact that the stadium is so big and they average 100,000 people. So like, sure, like to the home field advantage point. There may be stadiums that average 80,000 people and the crowd is more in it and, you know, more loud, more like West Virginia as far as an atmosphere. Crazy. Truly is probably better than Ohio State. They're, they're nuts. Trust me, I went there. I've been to the games and they their, their stadium probably, I don't even know if it seats 70, right? But like literally the whole week of the game, like if the game's on Saturday starting on Wednesday, you see people's trailers lined up on the side of the road, not even just in the stadium just around Morgantown. So I think like it'll never be bad because when you're a recruit and you come in and you come to a spring game and you see 60,000 people at a spring game, you're always going to be wild, right? But what you're talking about as far as like if you believe that home field advantage can be competitive and then you're looking at places like the big house or death valley or things like that i don't think ohio state's ever going to do that um and i think but i think that's i don't think they have to um but also and i haven't been to an ohio state game in a while i want to try to go this year so maybe i'll see for sure i don't even think that's even so much the fans a part of it's the fans and i think a part of it is just like it's Ohio State. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a huge Ohio State fan, and I've never been there. So some of that, like, rowdiness you get is from alumni, people who really, like, I, like, so I think that's a part of it. Ohio State is just, it's such a big brand that you get people who are going to come, it, because it becomes an experience. Like, people bring their kids to, you know, Ohio State games. So I think that's always going to be a part of it. But also the point that I was getting to as I'm talking in circles, is the game day experience even fun? 
I mean, like, I've been to a couple of games, and I can't say not, like, from the perspective of being a fan, what Ohio State is giving you, like, what they're giving back to the fan, the things that you're watching, them starting chants, the cheerleaders, like, the things that get you into it, the, you know, like, those little things that keep it loud, like, the things that come across the video board, like, that's even fun. Like, I don't think Ohio State has a good game day experience, which leaks a little bit into the fans. You really have to bring that yourself. Yeah, and honestly, that's a, good point. a part of it is because it's so shitty, just being honest, it's so shitty to get to the stadium that by the time you get there, you're tired. Like, yeah, you like get to your seat after waiting in line. Yeah, it, it, it is true. And I think, like, when I, like, think of, like, I always sat next to the band, like, relatively, so I get to hear the music and stuff. And I feel like I don't like when the PA systems blasting like random music while the band's also playing. I'm like, this makes no sense. What are we doing here? Like, come on, we get uh, the the Seven Nation Army. Uh, That's cool. Play that over loudspeaker. But I don't need Kanye West power like after a first down. Like, that's cool. Let the band play their song. Like, first down. I also just think that like a part of it's our fault and by our I mean our generation I don't know how you feel and again maybe maybe how you felt as a student is potentially different than how you feel now I don't I, I can't speak for you but I don't know man I don't even want to go to games anymore yeah like sitting at home with my like you know with my bottle of liquor that I bought for twenty dollars and watching it on TV where I can mute commercials, switch to another game, I can tweet, I can do all this kind of stuff, the comfort of my couch yeah. is so much better than sitting on those uncomfortable stands drinking a $20 Bud Light. Bud Light. I don't drink yeah. beer. So, like, for me, like, hoping they have, like, freaking, like, Mike's Hard or something because they don't sell, like, real liquor like they do at, like, Nationwide and stuff like that. Like, I went to, um, I went to UFC at Nationwide, not Nationwide, which is the hockey center. Nationwide, you're right. Okay, at Nationwide, and my mic's hard was like thirteen bucks. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so like, so I think our generation is just not the same. It's just not as it's yeah. So, the TV product has become so much better, and the the game day experience has become so much more expensive that I also think, like, I bet if you ask LSU fans, as, as L, if LSU today is what it was 20 years ago. I bet you they'd say no. LSU's still better than Ohio State. LSU's probably always been better than Ohio State. Yeah, they have but next. I just think it's just, it's not fun. Like, it's you just know, not the thing. To be honest, Ohio State needs, like, their neck. Like, that one thing that all fans go there and, like, we need to do this. Like, if it happens, it happens. Like, we need the band to play it. Even if we're going to get fined, like, $100,000, like, the school will pay it off. Like, it doesn't happen. I remember, okay, and this was, like, something... I remember storming the field. It wasn't even a storm. It was like a slow walk down the steps. Storming the field at Ohio State's crazy. Yeah. Because who is big enough for you to win? And like that now. Well, that's the thing. Now, that's why it's like kind of low energies because it's like, oh, we beat yeah. Penn State by 10 after Whoa. we were down for like two and a half quarters. <laughs> Let's storm yeah, the field. A beating Michigan, now, I think that it. one's like, you know, you can storm it because it's your most hated rival. That's like. You beat them by 50, you storm it. You beat them by 10, you storm it. You beat them in overtime, you storm it, you know. But, yeah, it's just – yeah, and I mean, I'm with you. I'm older. I don't want to go to games. But it is like – I went to the spring game, and I literally – So, yeah, the spring game was 
I almost felt like I got COVID at the spring game. Yeah, I mean, I went to the spring game and I literally listened to the Big Ten Network's broadcast. Yeah. Like while like like while I was watching the game because it's just like when you're so used to watching on TV it's just so quiet and I actually do still like the stadium and I do still want to go to games because I do think as long as you're not behind the pole anywhere in the lower bowl you actually get a pretty good seat like yeah. a pretty good view of the game I think the stadium's actually built pretty decently again except yeah. for the seats behind the poles and probably that yeah, there's a few obscured seats behind walls. Yeah, the press but, box, like, but it's it's cool. It's just not worth it to be all the time, and it's it's like this is gonna sound really old of me, but I don't think people like it's just I don't know. The weather sucks, all this other kind of stuff. Like the beer is thirty dollars, so unless you pre gamed and you're already pre drunk, um, I don't know. So yeah. I think that, but I I don't think it's ever gonna be detrimental. Right, yeah, like it's no, with the recruits never gonna come here and be like, "Oh, this was boring. I don't want to see that." Your fans suck. Like it's like, no, we just don't compare to like certain places, and that's fine. Yeah, uh, I know best damn fans in the land. Bring this full circle. I, I'd say let's just like this is a challenge. Once again, we challenge everyone to make the Scarlet Out happen last year. Let's make teams like forget the snap count. Let's do that this year. That's the challenge. I want Notre Dame's quarterback to come in week one and be like. Shitting himself, honestly. Sorry for the language. Explicit. Sorry, Matt. That uh, may be a game where the crowd will be crazy, though. Like, and that, I mean, that, it takes a brand like that to get Ohio State fans up. Yeah. But I also wonder, like, we are the loudest on Twitter, though. Absolutely, and I yeah. take pride in that. LSU is not consistently good. No. So you don't always know what's going to happen. Neither is Michigan. I wonder if it's hard for Ohio State fans to really get into the game because you expect to win all the time. No, that's really it. Like, when I was, like, my last season with Justin Fields at quarterback, like, Ohio State was housing Michigan State in a halftime. I'm like, dude, like, I'm just straight up not having fun, like, sitting on this hard bench after I just slapped a bag of Franzia. Like, this is not cool for me. Yeah, so. But, yeah, I guess let's have fun. Like, I just let's, like, if I go to a game this year, I just want to feel like I'm in that electric atmosphere that made me be like, yeah, so Ohio State's the best school I'm playing. So, uh, but the theme nights, I'm not going to go to the theme nights, uh, but I'm going to try to go to some of the some of the games this year. Uh, next on the list, we got recruiting talk. Not that much this week. Some bad news, some okay news. Um, this one's not about Ohio State. We'll start there. Miami's on a roll. Absolutely on a roll. Uh, out of nowhere, they got a ton of momentum for Samson, Okunlola, our, our guy, Pancake Honcho. And they also got a ton of momentum for Olaus Allenin. And I believe... What I was reading was Samson and Okunlola's priority number one. Olaus is the backup plan, and Olaus is also between Miami and Alabama at this point. Uh, so it seems like the offensive line recruiting has not met the ceiling we wanted it to. And I just think, like, Mario Cristobal's an offensive line guy. Like, Miami's on a roll. There aren't. There's only so many five-star tackles to go around. And like we talked about, this is the hardest position in all of football to evaluate, possibly quarterback or offensive tackle. I don't think offensive lines generally hard to evaluate, but truly elite offensive tackles, unless like they're 
you know, Orlando Pace. I remember like when people were talking about Michael Orr, like it, unless it just explodes off a screen, which I think Samson's does a little bit. It's really hard to evaluate tackles, and Miami's on a roll. Uh, I don't think losing. I, I think losing Samson and Olaus hurts a little bit because they're not Southern kids. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I think that's where it's like if Samson was from Florida, I'd be like, well, he's going to Miami. That makes a ton of sense. And I don't think I blame Fry for it just because of the transition and like where he started and how much ground he probably had to make up for the elite recruits. But where do you stand with this? Uh, I see a lot of complaining on the Bird app about the offensive line recruiting. And I think we've had conversations where it's like Justin Fry's done things that haven't been done since like 2013 already. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just think it's it's he's been on the job for seven months and it's going to take more than seven months to fish to fix the issue that he shall not be named has done has has started. Uh, Honestly, if there's any anger going around, it needs to be at the fact that both Urban Meyer and Ryan Day kept he who will not be named for way, way too long. I'm starting to wonder what skeletons he had on them, um, what's in the closet, because it makes no sense that he was allowed to stay around uh, for so long. I also just personally just like, I don't know, maybe I'm just in a mood today. I think it's hilarious that there was never this amount of fans being mad at him until he got fired. And then it was like, oh, maybe he was a bad coach. Now let's yell about it. And it's like, y'all don't care about offensive line recruiting. Like, y'all don't. Because if you did, Ohio State fans have a voice. And if you did and there was enough, like, you know, things being yeah. said and being done, he would have been fired three years ago. That's not this is not me blaming fans. I just think it's funny how like now you're pretending to care about it and yeah. doing all of this stuff when you clearly didn't care three years ago because the guy was so comfortable in his job and nobody was calling for him to get fired. I've literally had people argue with me about him not not being good because, you know, you get occasional names like there, Munford and Paris Johnson and things like that. And it's like, oh no, he is good. It's like, no, he's not. He's not. And I can if you want me to tell you about it for an hour, I literally will. So I just think that it's gonna take more than seven months to fix it. I I think kind of like what we talked about last week or whatever, there's positive momentum. And if we are at this time next year and he's missing out, then we need to have a conversation. But he already did something that the last guy would not have done, which is get all three guys they wanted from Ohio. I three guys. At least two, at least one of them for sure. Austin Saraveld is not a Buckeye if the last guy's here. Also, I just think that like, I think if it's one tackle, three interior offensive linemen, it's a little weak. If it's two tackles, two interior offensive linemen, you can live with that in your first class. The biggest thing, and this is something that's just above me, is why is Luke Montgomery not being considered a tackle? when he is a tackle and he's 6'6 like a tackle because we just saw what happens with 6'6 guys when you put them in line and we have the bend and things like that. So that's something that I'm going to be following. I think if you combine this class with last year's class, which is who Fry was able to keep with some of those interior offensive linemen and some of those things, I think it's serviceable. 
Um, and then what you have to look at is like, what does he do in the transfer portal? Because now it's going to be easy. It's going to be easy to get a tackle and transfer next year if you need him. Because you're not saying like like the guy from FIU or whatever that we really wanted the sophomore. You can't come to that guy and say, hey, come start for us. Because he's going to look and see Paris Johnson Jr. And he's going to look and see Dewan Jones and say, I'm not going to start this year. But after this season there's no competition unless Paris comes back. So they're going to go out and get the best or second best offensive tackle. They're going to patch it up. And if this time next year, we're missing out on five, four stars, high five stars, that kind of stuff, where it's a 100% fully fry class, then we can talk. But for right now, I just feel like it was, it's a much bigger mess than people realize. And What's happening with the offensive line is the opposite of what's happening with wide receiver. Wide receiver, you see that you're going to be a first-round pick. You come, no matter what. Offensive tackle, you see that you're not going to be a first-round pick because we haven't had one in forever. You're not going to come. We haven't had a second-round pick in forever. So, yeah, it's going to take some time. And they – I will say this. Whether it's this year or next year, Ohio State absolutely needs Paris Johnson Jr. to be a first-round pick, and Dewan Jones needs to be a top 100 player. Because Dewan Jones is a top 100 player, they can speak to development, and if Paris Johnson Jr. is a first-round pick, they can speak to development, and then you start to get the ge- then you start to get the gears rolling, and it only takes one. Yeah, it's 100% factual. It only takes one. And I know Ohio State's really lived off their in-state offensive linemen a lot of the time anyways because usually you have a top 50 guy in the country. It's just this year they had Luke Montgomery, and then outside of that it was guys outside of 100. And I, I mean, you're high on Tegra Shibula. I'm very high on him. I think the offensive line class is very good. Uh, all things considered. And I think that's one thing a lot of people don't take into consideration. They just look at the numbers. They just look at like the supposed targets. Like you don't look into everything in a contextual way. And I I think when you kind of try to look at it that way, it's like, yeah, you know, I, there's not generally a clear path to playing time at this point. Like these guys could potentially go to a school and play right away in a tackle needy, situation you know and going deeper into that it's not like Cristobal's been a god in putting first rounders he's had Penny Sewell you know but he has one and Ohio State doesn't and that's just realistic that's just the con that's just what I'm using because that's the one from this week but there's a lot that goes into it and Hugh must not be named and not set him up for success which is what I said like on Twitter I said you look at the DB recruiting Kerry Combs is a great recruiter. Like the groundwork was there. Tim Walton and Perry Eliano just had to build their own relationships to like close in on all those recruits. Now you think that same baton pass, even though like Kerry Combs didn't actually pass a baton, like you think that same baton pass happened between stud and fry. And it's the answer is no, it didn't. Yeah. And I also just think like, I know this is a problem that Ohio state fans have, but like, we have to recognize that we're discounting. We're discounting Luke Montgomery. Luke Montgomery is a top fifty, right? Yeah, or at least was a top fifty offensive lineman. That is a good get. Like I, I, I know I get it, but we are actually discounting him, and I think we need to consider that as well. And when we're doing this calculus, because there are a lot of teams that wanted him. You yeah, know what I mean, so good teams, um, with good offensive lines. 
Yeah, so, I mean, it's not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's perfect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm happy about everything that's going on or I'm not a little bit concerned or any of that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, but I'm not concerned in the instance of, like, I think it's a sign of things to come because I just don't think that we're there yet where we can really truly say that. I think that... Um, we just need to see it. I mean, it's been seven months. Like, yeah, and that's the that's the the issue, right? With Ohio State in general, and that's the issue that uh, that um, uh, Jim knows talked about, where he was like, "I know that I don't have three years." Ohio State fans want you to be immediate and immediately successful and things yeah, like that. Administrators, but, boosters, everybody oh, wants that immediate success. It's been seven months. They so, haven't even played. He yeah, hasn't even played I, the game. Yet. I don't think it's fair to truly judge a coach until he's got a full season of recruiting. Like 2024 is where you're going to be able to be like, okay, Tim Walton has that dog in him. Perry Elion, I think Perry Elion has already got the dog in him. And we're going to talk about his position next. But like you can see it. And I think Justin Fry, he's done a good job. Like you can't be like what he's done is bad because what he's done is you get the best players in the state. You take your shot at some five stars across the country, and then, boom, if it doesn't work out, you just go and you clean up with some more developmental guys. And we've seen success with those types of guys at Ohio State as well. So, you know, you play all three levels. Yeah, like what happens if Miami goes out and goes five and seven? Yeah, I mean, we could still get a louse. We could still get some of these other guys. Or what happens is, like, you can get a guy who just blew up. Like, people forget, like, you can blow up in season. Um, He's a developmental guy or whatever, but, like, there's a chance that we get that offensive tackle um, from Ohio. Yeah. that's that's in Columbus. I can't think of his name, but I know he goes to Kip Academy. Like yeah, there are options. Jordan Hall, I think, is his name. Okay, so that's what I thought. But there's another Jordan Hall. Yeah, that does like something different. In. And I was just like, it can't be Jordan Hall. Like that's some that's that's a different play. But no, yeah. no, it is. It actually is. So, um, yeah. So I mean, I, I would just say if you were worried, I understand because. Yeah. We've seen what happened. We know the past. We know the pain. Yeah. Uh, but Caleb, All right. Let's get let's get to Caleb Downs here, right? To Alabama. You see that? Yeah. What's it getting like? Alabama. Like, people are getting mad. I'm like, Nick Saban, five-star recruit, defensive back. The story is all this time, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's. You want me to be mad that we lost the recruit to Alabama? Yeah. And it's... it's like that, that to me that that is just that's just that is just um and it's not like Ohio State's bad at the safety position right now. You got Malik Hartford, you've got quite a few other guys who are talented, like yeah. on, and it's July. If he was this high on Ohio State up until now, they can still get him. Yeah, and it's not like that's just like the thing, and it's because it's July. Like the most recent rumor, and I, I can't I can't remember if it was Wilt Fong flipping his crystal ball because then I'd be like, Yeah, you know what, he's probably right. But generally, like we've seen so many message board rumors turn out and mean nothing that I, I'm just like, if he goes to Alabama, you know what, Ohio State's not like Ohio State's losing him to Michigan. It's not like Ohio State's losing him to Notre Dame. It's not like Ohio State's losing a southern kid to a northern program or pacific coast program like 
No, he chose to stay in his general area of the country. He's going to a school that has put out like like a lot of good safeties in the NFL. And that's just like, like you're going to lose some of these battles. That's just life. It's not like Ohio State's never going to go 25 for 25 on their number one target on every single board. That's just not realistic. Nope. But um, listen, I'm going to just say that not getting like I, I'm not here to minimize also. Right. Not getting Caleb Downs is going to suck. It's a big loss. And if they don't get Jaden uh, Bonsu, Bonsu, what's that name? Yeah, I'm starting to get the feeling that they're going to go 0 for 3 on those safeties, Aguero, Bonsu, and Downs, which is a big miss, but... Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. They are... uh, It's very... It feels like a lot of these recruitments, all three of those recruitments have honestly been very similar to Xavier and Wonka's from last year, where it felt like Ohio State was the leader in the clubhouse the whole time. And then add another, like, yeah, nah, I'm just going to stay in my region, my yeah. area. Which and happens. We'll see. It's hard. The it does. of staying in, like, home and stuff is, it sometimes weighs. Yeah, but imagine complaining when Ohio State currently has the number one, you know, the number one class in the nation, the number one class by average player out average, has other players that are very high on their list that they're going after. Just got Jason Moore. I mean, it's not perfect, it's but not, it's good. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of takes us naturally into our next conversation, right? Kevin Wilson, I, I'm going to let you lead this off because he's doing his job. How's that make you feel? Um, You're welcome. That's how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like Kevin Wilson heard me and you solely, alone, single-handedly, uh, if you can say single-handedly with two people, question what he does. And we've questioned it enough. We've questioned everything we've he does, too. Yeah, we, we've tweeted about it. We've recorded. We've asked people. We've asked Ohio State reporters. We've done so much that he's finally started working. Now. Yeah. I'm not as when, I'm a little bit more concerned than you are uh, because I saw the guys wait and, and it feels like something that um has been a, an issue that has plagued us in the past. But yeah, I mean, this kid came out of nowhere. I don't even, I haven't even had time to look at his film. Like, it's just like, boom, four star tight end. I'm like, who is this? And then it's like, boom, crystal ball. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, six four, two thirty. Like, okay, <laughs> three sixty dunk type athlete. Like, I don't know, man. I didn't think we'd ever be in the conversation for a tight end like this, you know, given how this position's been used. So, if Ohio State ends up with a Kyle Pitts type tight end, like, I'm not going to be mad about it. Yeah, I mean, will they use star, him? Right, like, that's no, another question because that's Kevin yeah. Wilson's other job, and as we've seen. Recently, we questioned it. Like, are the tight ends, uh, they're a valuable position at Ohio State. We know that we've talked to, when we had Bill Landis on, it was a conversation and something we've told all of you a bunch of times. They're going to be an 11 personnel, no matter how much you want them to go into a four wide or like put two running backs in. It's going to be 11 personnel. And if it's not 11 personnel, guess what it's going to be? It's going to be 12 personnel. Kevin Wilson, if he could get Jelani Thurman and Lockwood in the same class. That's his best recruiting class since he's been at Ohio State. And he needed it because after this year, you've got Bennett Christian, you got a couple other names 
um, who are pretty good, uh, like, you know, but it takes a lot to be a good tight end. It takes a lot to be a well-rounded tight end. And if you could get a guy who is already 6'4", 230 and moves well, that already cancels out one half of what you're looking for. It's like, it seems like you, we, you said this when we were talking about it earlier. It seems like we always get receiver, like big receivers and try to turn them into physical tight ends or big physical dudes and try to turn them into receivers. It's never the best of both worlds. And I think with Lockwood and Thurman, you might actually finally have a class where you're getting two guys who are all around tight ends already. I'm going to wait to see that. Yeah, I'm not going to be that high on Kevin Wilson. And it's hard because it's a position where it's like, this is a position a lot of people grow into. And... Yeah, I mean it's just a hard position to evaluate, but overall, I'm, I'm I like the momentum. Yeah, I just I just want to know if he can block, which is because that's how he's going to be used. Yeah, but he's going to be a force in the red zone. So if they again, if they if use they him. use him correctly, yeah, I'm just happy. You know, now if Kevin Wilson can you know help Ryan Day diversify this run game. I might get back. I'm not ever going to be fully on the bandwagon, but I might get back to like looking at the bandwagon from the outside. Like, hey, this Kevin Wilson guy is not too bad after all. It's going to take a lot, though. It's going to take a lot. Yeah, I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm never going to be there, but like, I respect it. I just know, like, I don't know who else would take the job at this point. You know, like, Ryan Day trusts him. What's the what's the what's the mafia term? The consigliere. Hmm. Like the right hand man, like he's gonna be there until he gets a head coaching job somewhere else. Like then Ryan Day will probably bring in another old head who helped him get like to or like run something similar. And he's like, yeah, no, this guy could come in, do a little bit of like an image repair, get a Mac coaching job, and you know we're all happy. I'm not sure if that's what I want for my offensive coordinator. Well, but we also know the Ryan Day's offensive coordinator, so it's like, you know, don't yeah. matter. And we know the next guy. It's going to be it'll be Mr. Hartline. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. So it's going to be well-deserved, definitely. Keep him around for another 10 years. Yeah, another five-year extension offensive coordinator, Brian, Brian Hartline. Uh, I loved uh, – before we go to the break, I saw him tweet uh, – is, I think this was over the weekend. Someone asked, like, yo, Brian, have you ever even cons- – like, why haven't you taken another head coaching job? Or, like, why haven't you heard, like, there been any news about offers? It's like, because anytime someone reaches out to me about them, I just tell them no because I don't want to do it. And I was like, this guy's – this guy, he's he's a Buckeye. It's, you can't change that. You can't change your colors. You can't change the spots on a leopard. That's the saying. And that just gave me a lot of excitement because I'm like, yeah, this guy's here for the long haul. And every once in a while, I think we just need a reminder of that. Yeah. And, and I think that, like, for Brian Hartline, like, we've st- I'm not going to get stuck on this because I've said this before we talked about it. He would just have to want to be a head coach, just okay. straight up have to want to be a head coach because all of the other things that come with being a head coach aren't going to affect him. Mm. He's married. He has a young family, so he's not going to want to move his family. He grew – I like, obviously didn't grow up here. He's not from Ohio. I, I mean, yes, he is. He's no, from – yeah. Oh, my God. He grew up here. His family's here. Um, he's a Buckeye. He's also rich. So it's like all of the things like, okay, I need to move up because I need to support my family. Nope, he can do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I need uh, the money. Nope, doesn't need that. Need that. Like, nope. 
How many I mean, like, how many assistant coaches are rolling up in Lamborghini Urises to pick up a recruit from the airport? I mean, I mean, how many people got their third contract in the NFL? Not that many. He got his third, right? I know for a fact it was his second, but he got a third contract, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that his Browns contract, I'm pretty sure it was his third contract. Yeah, so it's just like he's good. Like, he's good. Like, he, he would really just have to want to be a head coach. And then not only would he have to want to be a head coach, it has to be the perfect situation. Like, do, do any of us see Brian Hartline grinding out at Bowling Green? No. Like... He's kind of like Cannon's kind of close to Akron. I don't know, but I don't see him like wanting to do that job, you know? No. And it's also just like, right, so. um, Like Marcus Freeman, someone he played with in college, is like, hey, do you want to come coach with your friends at Notre Dame? And he's like, no. I don't. I'm, I'm I'm good. Also, like I think the friends thing is probably a little overrated. But also, like um, yeah, defensive guys don't hang out with offensive guys at that level. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I think the other thing is like he hasn't been a coach that long. I think we forget this. He hasn't been a coach that long. It's been what four years. And the reason he got his job it hasn't been less. This is going to be they promoted him, right? Yeah, it's going to be his. So 2018 was his first year. Whenever Zach Smith got canned, he took over, which I believe was 2018. Then 2019, 2020, 2020. This is his fifth year. He hasn't even been coaching long enough to be a head coach. Yeah. But I mean, even if he was going to, I mean, his recruiting ability has already been like so big that people are like considering it. And that's wild to me. Yeah, but no job that he's going to want is considering considering it. it. Yeah, and that's a big that's a big difference. Like if USC called him after like I think Lincoln Riley is going to burn out in flames like Brad Harlan would probably listen to USC. He might still say no, but he's at least going to consider it. He's going to answer the phone. He's not he's not listening to Western Kentucky. Watch this will be like the one comment we say on here. Like I'm going to say like Brian Hartline would listen to USC and that's going to be the one I get like tagged in after when it posts. Uh, but everyone yeah. would listen to USC though. Yeah, I, I'd listen to USC right now. They don't even have to give me a good job. They'd just be like, "Hey, cut the film, fifty thousand a year." I'd be like, "Let's do it." I couldn't do that, not for fifty bands, unless hey. they're giving me free housing. That's a good point. You can't live in that. You can't live in LA off fifty. All right, I'd live in the film room. No, I'm just hey, if it comes with the, if it comes with the bed and mattress, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, hey, honey, I got a nice studio apartment <laughs> in LA. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, but I think that's it. I think we're going to go take a quick break. After that, we've got some conversations about what we're excited for with the football season up and coming. And we've got our big club previews. So, we guys, we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying the show today. Uh, it's a slow news week. We've been having fun talking about, like, we've just been talking. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying that. If you guys have anything you guys want us to talk about, it's the slow part of the offseason. The Twitter mentions are open. You can tweet at the show at BuckOffPod. You can tweet at Jordan at JordanW330. You can tweet at me at CFB. If you want something answered by me and Jordan, we will answer it. Like, we painfully put together a five-section show every single day, every Thursday before we get on here. Do some research. Knock it out. No fact-checking allowed. Um, all right. The open conversation about on-field football. 
how are you feeling about this season coming up? Like one to 10, how excited are you? And like, yeah, just general feelings about the college football season coming up. I'm at a 25, man. I'm like, we kind of talked about earlier. I'm just ready for football. Like when I put this on here, I didn't even have anything specific I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to finally talk about some on field stuff. Like, like we're going to get to see like, you know, their levels, but I'm a sicko. I I think you're a sicko. Like, like I can't wait right for that first game. And then the film breakdown that you post that Bill Landis post and that like Ross Fulton post of like, like, deep diving on like Ohio State's run game. Like just like the little like stupid stuff. Like I, I can't wait to look at the scat like the the like conversations of like is Ohio State running gap schemes. And not just Ohio State, just like football in general. Like yeah. I'm like I'm tired of talking about NIL. I'm tired of talking about recruiting. I'm tired of talking about people like I wanna see uh football. And one of the things so like, you know, I like to say that I hate quarterbacks, but obviously with quarterbacks like they they're the engine, right? I'm very, very ready to see CJ Stroud and how much better he gets. Yeah, like it, it's just like I'm juiced up about that because it's it's like Justin Fields' second season was great, and it sucked because it was a we didn't get underwhelming. Like, we didn't get because it because, wasn't a real season. Exactly, like we're gonna get a. This is the f- the first real season of Ryan Day with yeah. a second year quarterback. I swear and to God, if another pandemic happens, I'm gonna lose. My just shit. don't even say it. Don't even lose it. What CJ Stroud is gonna do on this field is gonna be just amazing to watch. So, I mean, I'm like I said, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 25. I'm just ready for football. I'm ready to watch games. I'm ready to watch clips. I'm ready to, you know, I, I don't even remember the website, but, like, I'm ready to go to the website uh, that you had sent me and start clip, making clips. To, I'm ready to, like, scour. Like, I'm ready for my sicko routine. Like, I think I told you all this, yeah. but, but I do big thoughts, right? So that is a, a actually a decently heavy lift. I have to watch a lot of games. Yeah. Not have to. Let's say I get to watch a lot of games. So I literally have my TV, my laptop, and my iPad open. And now I have two laptops because I have a work laptop. I didn't have one last year. So I may find a way to put that one in. So I have at minimum three games on at once. During the Ohio State game, I'm taking notes because we have the um, – it's a recap show, recap. yeah. And during, like, I'm taking detailed notes. And then during the other games, I'm taking notes of things that happen. So, like, if a receiver gets 300 yards, if a quarterback does this, different plays and stuff like that. When I'm on Twitter, I'm, like, bookmarking certain things. Like, you know, if Braylon Alley breaks out for a 75-yard game, like, run, I don't know if that's the one I'm going to use, but I need to have yeah, it. In have case it yeah. So, like, I'm literally a sicko on Saturdays. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Like, I can't wait to have all these devices and all these games and all these conversations, bookmarking tweets and like thinking about what I'm going to write about at two o'clock in the morning to get it out the next day. Like, I just want on-field football. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm. I mean, I'm at that level of seven two where I can't even really put like a number to it. Like, I, you're you and me are people who will put on that first game at noon, uh, and we'll be engaged with some form of college football media until 2.30 that night. And that's just the way it is because it's my favorite sport. I'm going to take everything in. I love the 3.30 SEC game on CBS. Uh, Whatever that moves, I'm still going to watch it, whatever. I love 
that 5.30 lead into that ABC game at night. I love the 8.30 game and then the 11.30 back 12 after dark game. That's what I fall asleep to. It's incredible. It's awesome stuff. So that's what I'm most excited about. I'm most excited about starting the day with a nice coffee, switching it over to some soda in the afternoon to eat with my food. Then by the end of the day, it's a few beers I'm throwing back and I'm just enjoying the, enjoying the evening. And then by then that, that, that's what I'm most excited about. 100% just the energy it gives me the joy it brings the Monday through Friday preparation for Saturday. It's like four straight months of just insane dedication to the craft of following college football. Yeah, and you're much better than me because the first thing I wake up and drink is water. But by like 11, by by the time big noon kickoff starts, I'm already at alcohol. Like like you like like like, like you started with coffee and then went to soda and then went to beers. But like no no no. By the time big noon kick at 11:01, I got alcohol. Like I'm not especially because. I always go and get food before the 12 o'clock game because then I'm not getting up. Yeah. So, like, if I already have food in the house, fine. But if it's like if I got paid and I want to get something, I go get some, like, chicken and fish. I go get some pizza or something like that. So I'm going to pick that up at, like, 10, 30, 11. And so if I already don't – if I don't got liquor in the house, then when I go pick that up, I'm going to go – like, depending on what I'm drinking. I'm not always drinking liquor. If I'm drinking beer – well, I don't drink beer, but, again, like, ciders or whatever – if I'm drinking that, I'm going to go through the drive through when I picked up my food. If not, I got a bar cart. Like, as soon as I sit down, it's 11, 15. I have my food. Big noon kickoffs on. I look over. I don't have my Jack and Coke. Got the Jack and Coke by 1130. So you are a much healthier man than me because you're waiting for the afternoon. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Uh, I mean, I don't know. So it's not that good for you. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's, it's better than the amount of liquor I consume on that Saturday. <laughs> All right, yeah. All right, so that's the thing we're most excited about, just the game day, our game day experience. Uh, yeah. it's, it's incredibly fun. Yeah, I, I never, like, you know, like, leading up to it, I'm like, I, I'm actually one of those people who's very willing to pay, like, the four ninety nine delivery fee in Uber Eats just so I don't have to drive. But during college football season, I'm like, doesn't even think about it. Doesn't even cross my mind. I'm like, just send the food here. Eventually, there'll be a break on the TV, and I'll get up and open the door and grab my food. But outside of that, on the field, let's get on the field. The teams, we want to stick to Ohio State or just general college football? I mean, I think both. Just whatever comes to mind. Most excited for me to watch. I I, I just want to see Jim Knowles' defense, honestly. I, I think, like, from an excitement standpoint, I know the – Offense is going to be high flying. I know there's going to be a lot of fun with Travion Henderson and the running back crew. I know the receivers are going to be fun. Offensive line is an interesting question, but I'm just really excited to see the potential of the Ohio State defense. Like, what is it going to be? You know, I did my article that came out today while we're recording. If you guys want to check it out, my burning question What are the real expectations of Jim Knowles' 2022 defense? And I just want to know it. I just want to see what the ceiling is. 2018 to 2019, they went from like the 44th ranked defense to the second ranked defense. Can they do something like that again? That's what I want to see. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I say for me, I'm actually going to stick on the defensive side too. I'm most excited to watch uh, the defensive line. Like I, I just, it's just like. 
think about the second year breakout. Yeah, that we that we have witnessed recently. Think about Chase Young. Think about Nick Bosa. Think about Joey Bosa. Think about even like Sam Hubbard. Like like some of those guys. Tyke like you know, this like, was one. It's Dream just like, like that. That second year breakout is crazy because the first year right you're trying to get used to the game you're getting used to the speed you're going up against uh grown men you're nervous scared whatever 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 right you haven't been on the right diet like all of these things that are a factor and which is why most people don't even get on the field you were talented enough to get on the field but then after that second year you got the diet you got the nerves out the way you had a full off season in the program to learn the coaches the book the playbook all of this kind of stuff you had the full summer you're healthy you're bigger you're stronger you're faster all of these things and then you go and like so yeah I, I, the whole defensive line honestly but obviously most um Importantly, I'm looking at JT, and I'm looking at and I'm looking at Jack Sawyer. Um, if they I just both, we talked about their sack totals last week, so I'm really with you on this one. Like this is like for my question to be answered, that group needs to be elite. So, like for a one A to like a one B or like a one and then a bullet point, like the defense line is going to be sick. Like I'm so excited to watch that. Yeah, honestly, man, I didn't mean to just talk myself into a different burning question. I don't want to write two articles though. Do I want to do the Do I want to do the fan burning question or do I want to do the sicko burning question? I'm gonna have to think about that. But yeah, man, that's, I'm just I'm excited to see that the second year breakout uh, of these guys and uh, really just get to see them work. I mean, because this is gonna be the year, right? Uh, first of all, both of them break out. That's nuts. Scary. But this is gonna Scary be a year. Where you start to hear things, you start to hear. I mean, like, okay, I'm not predicting that one of them is going to be Will Anderson. I want to be clear. Will Anderson's one. Will Anderson is the Indomitian Sue of this era. One of one. Uh, and the 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 Jadavian the, 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 the Clowney of that era, like that single handedly un like unarguable best defensive player. Boom. Absolutely. That's game I'm not really going to be him, but think of him. Right. Think of the aura around him. Did you, casual fan, know Will Anderson before October of last year? Probably not. What did you start to hear in October? You started to hear Heisman buzz. You started to hear first round draft pick buzz. You started to hear um, the uh, Narguski trophy and all these other. You started. You just started to hear things. You started to hear things. And they're not going to be Will Anderson, right? But it's the same thing. You're going to start to hear some things. You're going to start to hear, oh, is is JT the best rising sophomore? Is JT going to be a first-round pick in the 2024 draft? Is is Jack Sawyer going to be this? Or, uh, do the Buckeyes have two first-team All-Americans? Is is Jack the next Nick Bosa? Like you, you just start to hear these things, and it builds up, builds up, builds up. For then their third year of eligibility, it's just like – you know, you all here. You have all the hype and stuff, but that all starts this year. And so, like, I'm I, as much as I complain and hate the national media because I think most of them are bad at their jobs. 
I'm like excited for like the one or two that are actually good. They're like the first time I hear like Ohio State has a crazy duo, you know, like that kind of stuff. Because yeah. if you start to hear that, that means it's happening. That means the defense is better. That means they've stepped into their own. That means they both got like six sacks by October and we're looking at ten. So it's just, yeah, I, I think that is going to be the thing that I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, we have it. We didn't need to talk about the interior guys. Like that's a good group. That has the potential to be like – that has the potential to be. I'm not going to say the NC word, but it has a chance. It has the potential to be like the anchor to a team of that caliber. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, I feel like we kind of covered what we wanted to learn and most excited to watch there. Uh, but anything else like you want to learn, and then I'll do mine. Um. No, I just I. There's a lot. I want to learn about the new coaches, right? You know, yeah. I want to learn about the run game. I want to learn about CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles. I want to learn about how, you know, the technique that the corners are going to. There's a lot that I want to learn. But, you know, um, I think more than anything, I just I want to learn how the team as a whole bounces back from last year with the new coaches, how they improve, how Ryan Day gets better, how Stroud gets better, how the wide receivers work. I mean, I'm covering the whole gambit, but I just feel like every year you learn new things about the team. So yeah. that's what I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I think you kind of touched on mine. I, I, I want to learn what Ryan Day is made of. You know, I think, you know, Urban Meyer was fortunate to go 7-0 against the hated rival up north. Ryan Day lost, you know. Um, you know, granted what happened the COVID year, like, would Ohio State be 2-1? Possibly, yes. But they're 1-1 right now. They're coming off uh, getting bullied on the field in multiple football games last year. They were not a tough football team. And I just want to see if Ryan Day can get the team to that point where you feel like – because that was never a question about an Urban Meyer team. It was honestly a detriment at times with, like, the pushing to make his players tough, to make his players, like, have that edge and all that stuff. Like, I want to see – and I could see it with, like, Stroud. I could see it with the receivers – I want to see it with the offensive line. I want to see it with the defensive line. I want to see it with the entire defense. I want to see a team play with, like, uh, ants. And, like, you remember your old coaches say, you got to play linebacker like you've got fire ants in your pants, and you're just running around. Like, obviously, you want them more controlled, but you just, I just want to see some anger in the way they play football this year. And if Ryan Day could get that, and I think I've seen it. You've seen it a few times. When Ohio State smoked Michigan – uh, in 2019, when Ohio State came back and made that revenge statement against Clemson, you've seen them play pissed off before. And that needs to be the case in every single big game. There cannot be a flat big game. And that's what I want to I want to learn. I want to learn Friday's got that in him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, one, he had it, but I think Justin Fields had it, and I think he rode that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big a big bounce back here for for Ryan Day, especially because like I wonder I want to learn if Ryan Day got humbled. I want to first actually not even just humbled because that's true. I want to know if Ryan Day self scouts if he comes out with that stupid pistol and only runs the ball out of it. I'm not gonna be happy. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just not. Yeah, if he could learn from those mistakes, 
not be predictable and not do those types of things. Because there's so much that, like, there were a lot of issues last year. And regardless of you point the fingers like, oh, the offensive line wasn't great, Coach Studs fired. Oh, the defense wasn't great, we're replacing the whole staff. It still all comes down to the head coach and what he's built his program into. And it's up to him to – I don't even know the word. He just needs to make – he just needs to live up to the standard he sets. And – it starts up top, and that's what I. Well, that's what we need to see. And like, he's not like obviously he's a great coach. Like, not a lot of coaches can recruit the way he has. Not a lot of coaches have the record to start that he has. A lot of people have been given the opportunity he's had, and have completely fallen off immediately. Um, so, realistically, like he's done a great job. We just need him to reinvigorate those aspects that make Ohio State football Ohio State football. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, all right. Going into the season, uh, what, which coach do you think has the toughest job to field a good position group? Like, I, I like the way that question's worded because it's like you take the players into consideration, you take the situation from last year, you take the new scheme in some places, it's going to be going to be something. It's Jim Knowles. Because here's the thing. As much as we complain, last year's offensive line wasn't that bad. Like, it didn't affect us that much. Like, there were problems, obviously, some short yardage, things like that. But, like, it's not like Stroud was sacked 50 times. I don't think they lost games because of the offensive line. Yeah, they just didn't win because of them either. They weren't dominant. I think it's Jim Knowles because the linebackers suck. Yeah, there's just no other way to put it. They do. Anyway, so I think we've been nice to them this off season, but we need to see it. I I'm with you because I think the easiest job is probably Tim Walton. Uh, he's got a pretty good job with what he's got. I think you know you look at uh, Tony Alford. We already see it with that group. Like there's going to be talent there. The receivers. I think Brian Hartline's job's harder this year than it was last year, but I still don't think it's necessarily like a job where like, oh man, I don't want to know what this is going to be. But I think it's between I think it's between Jim Knowles and Justin Fry, and I think Justin Fry's going to have more pressure because he's brought in and he said he's going to bring his unit toughness. And if there's no toughness there, then it's like, what the heck was the point of bringing in Justin Fry? But this team can't die if the linebackers aren't great. So I think that's yeah. where you're right. Like, you couldn't lose a game against a physical football team if the linebackers don't show up and play football. Um, personally, I think Justin Fry has one of the easiest jobs. Just on to be field, just on be field. better than Stud. No, it's not even that. It's, Stud would be good with this offensive line that's coming up. Like, if you didn't let him make a choice on who's going to play, I mean, where's the where's the weak link? Dewan Jones, Donovan Jones. Um, Jackson, Donovan Matt Jones. Jones. Yeah, I was going to say, it's Josh not Donovan Fryer, Jones. Donovan Jackson, Paris Josh Fryer, Matt Jones. And who's the weak link? There's a, who's the worst one? Barry is Dewan Jones the worst one? No. Or is it Josh Fryer? Probably Fryer and then... And Jackson even still, and, according to some people, Fryer didn't even allow a sack last year. Yeah, Jackson and Paris Johnson Jr. are probably my biggest questions just because Paris Johnson's got the pressure of the left tackle. And then Zero Donovan Jackson has played. Donovan Jackson. But that's the only reason I have questions. But I think you're right. I think it's a strong unit. But they need to they need to be better. 
And that's where I, I don't think like I, I feel the same way about Perry Eliano's group as I do kind of with Fry's group, but Noise is so involved with that part of the defense because they're so integrated into run fits and like all that stuff that I just feel like the safeties. Plus, you've got Josh Proctor, Ronnie Hickman, a bunch of other guys who are very talented. Tanner McAllister knows the system. You know, Cam Martinez is a freak athlete. Kai Stokes had one of the best springs I've seen from a freshman defensive back in like the last half decade. So, and Sunny Styles. Yeah, like. Sunny Styles is going to be here. So. Yeah, it's gonna so be hard I, to have yeah. a bad group there. Uh, I think on the yeah. field, Fry has one of the easiest jobs. Tommy honestly. E, it's probably top three easiest. So Tommy E, you've got Steel Chambers. I feel like they've separated themselves as starters. You've got guys like C.J. Hicks. You've got guys like Reed Carrico. You've got guys like Gay Powers. Young guys who will be chomping to play. You've got another really athletic guy in Demonte Trainum who's kind of following the same path is steel chambers but he's had a full off season to kind of get ready and make the transition which is different um it's just there's a lot of mystery there but there's, there's not a single household name no i mean tommy eichenberg's the best linebacker in there and I mean, maybe maybe not by the end of the season but right but now starting, going into the season tommy eichenberg and I have switched my tune on him a little bit because I appreciate that he did get better. But I he I don't want him to be the best linebacker on the team. Yeah. No, I think Chambers, I think his athleticism should make him better. But I, I honestly, by the end of the year, I think C.J. Hicks is going to be playing a lot of snaps, honestly. I'd yeah, be shocked I, if he's personally, not. I'm starting to cool down on Steel Chambers after like really watching and thinking about it. I just don't think he played that well. I just think he, he did the better. things that, and that's yeah. I just think he did the things that we weren't seeing, and so we got excited about it. Like he would miss three tackles, and then he'd make a tackle on the edge, which we haven't seen a linebacker do yeah. in years. Like oh my god, Steel Chambers! But it's like nah, we we ignored the fact that he was out of position for three straight plays and missed a tackle and got ran over. So. I think he's going to be better. This is not me being negative, but, like, I'm not on the Steel Chambers yeah. like bandwagon like I was before just because I think – I mean, yeah, we'll see. But, but but like I said, I, I think I said last year that I think Steel Chambers could be a three-year starter and get drafted. I don't think he'll be good enough to leave this year. I think he comes back next year and starts or whatever. I think he's going to be a solid player. But, like, he's – a solid player. Yeah. I just do that. Yeah, I think he'll be solid. I think you're going to have a lot of solid in that group. Uh, I think you're just going to need one person to end up being, like, special. And I think – I think I don't want to, like, put that pressure on a freshman, but, like, we saw with Raekwon McMillan. Like, he just came in and he's, like, just a guy who's just different, you know. And I think yeah. C.J. Hicks, I've seen him in person. Like, he's as big as me, but, like, all muscle. So like, I, I just I, physically ready. Honestly, I'm just gonna say this: Watch out for Gabe Powers. People yeah. are forgetting about him. He actually won the Ohio Gatorade Player of the Year. He is a stud. He's ready to play as well. He just doesn't have the the fanfare. He's from Marysville, whatever. But he's gonna play. He's gonna get some time. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed. I think I think I enjoyed this conversation about this potential challenge that they might have. Uh, any other things you want to finish off this open conversation about? No, I mean, I don't have anything I want to finish it. Honestly, I just like, 
it's but, close, man. It's close. Football's it's close. close. Right, um, I, get, I got one more. CJ Stroud, Heisman, or the field? I'm taking CJ Stroud. I respect that. I'd probably probably take the field, but that's just mathematics coming into play. Well, okay. I mean, that's fair. I think the hard thing with CJ is is just simply... um, He has to be better than last year, which is going to be hard, like statistically. I don't think he has to be better than last year. He just has to play every game. I think if he would have played every game, there's a chance he would have won last year. If they beat Michigan, he probably wins it last year. Yeah, if they if he plays every game because there's not that gap in stats from someone playing twelve games versus eleven, and they beat Michigan, I think he plays it. Uh, he, I think he, I think he wins it. I, I just think that it's a quarterback award, right? Yeah, it's a quarterback award, and they don't like to win it twice. No, nope. they just it doesn't matter if you deserve it. They don't like to give it to you twice. So personally, I'm taking Bryce Young out the running. Secondly, with Bryce Young, there's a lot of people who are talking about how they should have voted for Will Anderson and regret doing it i think if will anderson does what he does he's going to take votes away from him so then who is it it's cj it's caleb it's um uh the guy from miami tyler van dyke um yeah you got guys like like maybe jackson smith and jigba or is it xavier anderson uh travion or Bijan? but again it's a quarterback award yeah if you're effectively taking Bryce Young out of it, because are they going to make Bryce Young the second the second person to ever win the Heisman twice? You would have so, and that's the thing. Like with quarterbacks, it's even harder because most of the time their stats are the same. So it's like, uh, what have you done for me lately? You know, like, and it's not enough. So and and it's not so like they've played any worse. It's just you can't give yeah. the guy the award twice when someone like if Jameer Gibbs ends up running for like fifteen hundred yards for Alabama, like I don't think you could split you'd split the award three ways with those guys. Yeah, and I don't know if Bryce Young's stats are gonna be what they were last year because who are his wide receivers? Good point. I don't know. Like the, the wide receiver really can't be better than what it was last year. Yeah. Cause they lost Mechie, they lost Mechie and Williams, right? Jameson, right? So they lost both. Slade Bolden's the guy, and, and they got Trey Burden from Georgia, and they have a few Whatever. other transfers who came in. But that's like something tough to rely on. Like, not every guy that hits is going to be Jameson Williams. Like, not every transfer who comes in. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Stroud. Yeah, I I feel that. I, I like that. My heart says Stroud. My and you know that's the issue. Like when I'm betting with my brain and I'm betting with my heart, it's like they both lose all the time. So yeah, I'm not even betting with my heart. I'm betting with my brain. I, I just like I mean I laid it out for you. Uh, yeah. If it wasn't a quarterback award, I would maybe say Bijan maybe might get it because I think he's gonna have a crazy year. Yeah, Bijan uh, goes for two bills. He'll probably get it. No, I still they they're not gonna. I mean, they have to win like eleven games if he was. Yeah, it can't be like playoffs, eight and yeah. four Texas and like win a. Like you can't. But. All right. Uh, speaking of Texas, you want to get into our Big Twelve preview? Yeah, for sure. Big Twelve is one of the best conferences to watch as far as pure games. Yeah. Um, always enjoy watching the Big 12. I think it's a conference full of um, 
just stupid, stupid teams. Like it's I don't insane. know. It's just like any, like literally anything can happen. Any um, given, it, it really takes you know that movie, Any Given Sunday. That's saying yeah. as well. Like any given Saturday, anything could happen in the Big Twelve, which we saw last year. Like. Kansas was not good, and they almost beat Texas and Oklahoma. Both of them. They almost beat both of the yeah. like two most talented teams in the league. Yeah, that's insane to me. Yeah, for sure. I I, I think that they're a, they're a decent amount of good coaches in the Big Twelve too. Actually, yeah, I like, like good coaches, solid quarterbacks. I don't think they have a lot of great quarterbacks, but they've got a lot of guys who are like okay at the position. Like you're not going to be like you wouldn't hate having a lot of these guys as your quarterback. Yeah, well, Ohio State fan, you would a yeah, normal but person. Generally speaking. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know. I mean, like let's. I mean, we'll start with the contenders. I like it. I, I honestly couldn't pinpoint one because I could see like a hundred reasons for a lot of teams winning and a hundred reasons for why they wouldn't. Probably not a hundred. Probably like five apiece. But it's wide open. Like I've got Oklahoma. Oh, sorry, hiccups. Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, and then I put Kansas State up there as like five realistic teams, and that. Discounts like uh, who am I discounting there? There's one I'm missing. Uh, Iowa State with Matt Campbell. Uh, you know, there's a few teams, man, and it's just I don't know. I mean, Texas is disappointed. Oklahoma State usually chokes when they have that opportunity to win it all. Baylor's coming off winning the Big Twelve. Kansas State's got one of the best running backs in the country. So, like. Like any given week, something could happen that gives one of these teams the potential to win the league. Uh, if like you're looking at betting odds, like yes, Texas has the most talented roster in the Big Twelve, but how has that worked out the last five years? Oklahoma pretty much had to rebuild their roster. So, to me, using continuity as my metric, the main metric, I think Baylor and Oklahoma State are my two favorites to win this league right now. Yeah, I disagree that anyone can win this league. I just think that I, – I think this is a league where, like, three or four teams can win it max, but, like, eight teams can spoil it for anyone. Yeah, I think I that's think fair it's to not, say. It's not how I would put it. I just don't think anyone can win it. I just think that's a little unrealistic. But, like, anyone can lose. I mean, I, I was at West Virginia when West Virginia was going to win the Big 12, and then they lost to Texas. Yeah. And they lost their last two games in a row. And I was like, damn. Pain. But they almost did it. But they spoiled some people's seasons by winning some games that they shouldn't have. So, um, yeah, my contenders are Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Texas. I really wanted to put Texas as a dark horse. But, like, yeah, they I, have B. John Robinson. I debated the dark horse thing, and if they if they have a quarterback, I'm not even gonna say it's Quinn. It's probably Quinn. But if they have a good quarterback, that I mean, like they should win it, right? Like I want to say dark horse just because I don't believe in them, but they do have the roster and the talent and stuff that yeah. If you it's, took, they're, they're a part of it. So like if you took their roster and gave like that to the coaching staff of Dave Aranda, I think they win the league. Like. 100% of the time just with that and like without the Texas like meddling and all that but it's really you can't you have to take that into consideration and I, I'm not like I'm not bought into Sark I don't know if Sark has it in him to like really 
turn this thing around. Uh, he feels a lot like Tom Herman to me, where like you give him an offense, you give him uh, some talent, like they're going to do some dangerous things for you. But when you give them the entire program to manage, it becomes a little bit troublesome because they don't want to do that. They just want to coach football. And that math in Texas think, doesn't work out. I think Tom Herman is a good football coach, and I'm shocked that he doesn't have another head coaching job right now. I don't think Tom Herman is a Texas football coach. Yeah, I think, I think Tom Herman should have stayed at Houston. Yeah, he, could you imagine he'd be in the Big 12 at Houston? Like That job would have been yeah. much better. Oh, yeah, for sure. I can't believe nobody's hired him. Yeah, I think he's, he's working in the NFL. But uh, Oklahoma State. So with Oklahoma State, I like how they replaced Jim Knowles. I really like Derek Mason. Uh, I think he's a good coach. I think he tried turning around Vanderbilt. That's always commendable. It's not easy to do that there. Uh, And he's been a good defensive mind everywhere he's been. So I like that with Oklahoma State. I don't think they're going to – they might take a little bit of a step back on that side of the ball, but I think generally speaking they'll still be a very competitive football team. Baylor feels so confident in their current quarterback that they were willing to let the quarterback who led them to their first Big 12 title, and I don't know, since Art Bryles, go. So I'm looking at Baylor right now. Like, I think his name, yeah, there it is, Blake Shapin. Like, they were ready to, like, move on from him after Gary Bohannon had, like, 3,500 yards passing. Like, so – if he is actually better than Gary Bohannon, this Baylor team could be, like, not only a Big 12 candidate, but if things start falling their way, like, they could potentially be making noise to they'll be a New Year's Six Bowl contender. Yeah, and honestly, Baylor should run away with the conference. It's just the Big 12 is never that easy. Yeah, 13 returning starters. You know, one of those returning starters is gone because they – we're like, hey, I think this quarterback's better. So go ahead, bounce, do what you need to do. And, yeah, I think Baylor's roster isn't as, like, high profile as Texas, but I think you're going to see quite a bit of all-conference guys come from it. I think you're going to see quite a good defense under Aranda this year, and I think the offense could be just as explosive. So I, I do think Oklahoma State and Baylor are probably where I'm at with my two favorites just because – I like Mike Gundy, like what he's done at Oklahoma State. And I think that has value. I think the continuity there has value. And I think Texas, like, I think they're getting there. I think they have the talent, but I do still think they need some time to really get their feet under them, under this new coaching staff after how that ended. Yeah, um... I don't know how I feel about Texas. It's hard. That's one of our big stories. Yeah, I mean, because, like, Texas could just be Oklahoma and Oregon. Yeah. A team that recruits well and loses two games a year. Yeah. And that could end up, like, knocking them out of their conference title. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure they'd prefer to be more Oklahoma than Oregon because Oklahoma at least made the playoffs. And And then they consider that a success. They're just not winning championships. But they could very much be Oregon, where they just, like, are always close. But even still, that's still probably a success for Texas because yeah. they – but also none of this matters when they go to the SEC because they're going to go back to 
being seven and five. So Texas Texas really needs to win. They need to uh, maximize their time in the Big Twelve. Two or three years, so they could load up their roster for when they get to the SEC. There's nothing they can do to be competitive in the SEC for the first five years. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, I mean, we saw. I mean, Texas A&M wasn't the same brand as Texas, but it took them a lot of time to start recruiting to that level, and now they finally are. And, and Texas, I hate to say this, but Texas A&M is competent. Yeah. Texas is not. Texas so. A&M, despite how crazy from the outside it looks, is all pulling the rope in one direction. Yeah. All right, dark horses. Here we go. Uh, I got Kansas State and Texas Tech. I really went like the deep dark horse route on this one. I wanted to say West Virginia because I just want to see JT Daniels have some success. I've been following that dude forever. He went to high school in my area at modern day. So, like, I'm rooting for the dude. I like West Virginia. I never had any problems. I liked him when they had Will Greer. I liked him back even further when they had Pat Weinstein. Everyone liked him back then, though. That's not even really, like, edgy to say. But Kansas State, I've already said it. I like their I, I like their running back, Deuce Vaughn, a lot. I think they're going to be uh, – not a good defensive team, but I think they're going to be a chippy defensive team, and I think that gets a little messy for some offensive-oriented teams in the Big 12 when they play a team like that. And if they could maintain time of possession, not turn the ball over, they could be a dangerous team. Texas Tech, no good reason. The Red Raiders, Joey McGuire, used to be Texas High School Football Coach of the Year. Now he's a head coach here. He's got tons of momentum. you know. And I don't even think Texas Tech was being built badly i just don't think they were maximizing what they were able to do and i think mcguire is that ceo type he helped build baylor up into what it was under with rg3 and like um that group of people so i legitimately think they could be a fun team to watch uh they got a transfer quarterback last year tyler shaw i think it's his show this year uh so overall i think they're gonna be a good team uh I can't say this guy's name. It's like Sir Roderick, Sir Roderick Thompson. Sir Roderick Thompson. He's he's a good player. Uh, so it's going to be fun. Yeah, I did not go the deep dark horse route. I guess maybe one of them. My, one is Oklahoma because I, here's the thing, right? Aside from how I feel about what Brett Venables is going to do long term, people forget that like Oklahoma's roster is bare. Different. It's bare. They had to completely transform it. I mean, their starting quarterback, while it's a great story for, like, diehard college football fans, is a dude coming off injury who lost his job. Like, an injury that, like, people thought he may not play again. Yeah, that was the other guy. That was Mackenzie Milton. Gabriel was the guy who took his job. Oh. But I think... Yeah, but still. He didn't get injured too? No, he, I think he did, but. No, Dylan Gabriel got. So why is Dylan, Dylan Gabriel got injured last year though, right? That's yeah, why he. but he was the one who almost lost his leg. Oh, yeah. What was his injury? Was it a common injury? Yeah, I don't think it was near as bad. I know that was one of the things when he was transferring. It's like, when's Dylan Gabriel actually going to be ready? He's like, oh, I'm going to be ready in the spring. And that was like, oh, cool. Like, good for those guys. Well, All right. Well, I need to like I'll take away that point, but like, still, um, yeah. I mean, it, I guess 
Like, for an offensive-oriented roster, right? Like, Lincoln Riley, we all know, recruited offense well. We know Alex Grinch. We've talked about him a hundred times on this show. Is not that great of a recruiter. He's not that great of a talent developer. Like, the defense is bare. And Brett Venables, Brett Venables is a guy who has maximized and developed quite a few players who weren't necessarily surefire things. But I do think you come in and you take over a program that's been such an offensive-focused identity under Bob Stoops, under Lincoln Riley, like for the last 20 years, and now you're going to flip that to defense. It's going to be interesting to watch for sure. So you're really going to hope and you know I'm high on Jeff Levy, but you're really going to have to hope that hire was the perfect hire for this situation, for them to be like good. But if it all works out, yeah, they're a dark horse. Yeah. Um, oh, they do a lot less for these teams. Oh man. They don't have the stats. All right, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, like, all of the good players left the roster, right? Basically, they either, most of them went to Oklahoma, uh, What most of them went to USC, and the other half of them transferred other places, graduated, things like that. So I think that even if long-term he's a much better coach than I think, I think that Oklahoma's going to struggle this year. Um, because, I mean, that would just be – that's. I mean, it's really just common sense, and nobody's yeah. thinking it's, about it that way, which is, like, kind of mind-blowing to me. It's a first-time head coach, and no matter how good you are or were or whatever, um, it, it's, it's much it's harder being, coach. It's much harder being yeah. a first-time head coach in 2022 than it was in, like, say, 2012. For sure. And then my other dark horse is Iowa State. I mean, this is going to tie into something we're going to talk about here pretty shortly. But it's just – it's time. And technically, well, Iowa State's really, really a dark horse because they lost all their good players. They lost uh, Brock Purdy and um, Chuba – what is the running back? Chuba Hubbard? Chuba Hubbard, yeah. Yeah, they lost. They lost both of them, but I, I still think Matt Campbell's a decent coach. So they're always going to be oh, a Brees slight Hall. Brees Hall. Hubbard was before Brees Hall, but yeah, yeah, Brees Hall. So um, Iowa State is my other one. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good one. And yeah, now I'm thinking about it. Chuba Hubbard was Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brees Hall was really twenty touchdowns. It's hard to replace twenty touchdowns. Uh, and then Brock Purdy had a nineteen. You know, so, yeah, it's a dark horse. And I think I agree with that. Like, Matt Campbell has been kind of the guy who everyone's been like, every coaching opening, he's the one. National reporters like, Michigan's open. Oh, they're going to give Matt Campbell a call. USC's open. Oh, they're going to give Matt Campbell a call. Miami's open. They're going to give Matt Campbell a call. I want to see him. And, yes, he's had the best, like, stretch at Iowa State in, like, its history. But he needs to win something at some point, right? Yeah, definitely. He's been uh, pretty disappointing, honestly. Yeah, like you've turned around Iowa State. We get it. Let's take him to another level. But, I mean, Ames, two hours from any major airport. Not easy. All righty. Uh, dark horses. Yeah, you know, I, I really think every team in the Big 12 is low-key a dark horse. Except, like, Kansas and, like, the bad teams. But I'd say like eight out of the ten teams are dark horses. Yeah. Relatively, yeah. Yeah. 
nationally they're all dark horses like i don't think anyone's like saying oh yeah any of these teams like texas is a national dark horse like people are picking i'm like you're picking texas as your dark horse like real original dude congratulations all right players to watch uh we want to rotate or you just want to go through list i'll go through mine you go through yours uh just let's just go through it all right got you so my first guy deuce vaughn uh Yes, I've mentioned him a bunch on this show already. I'm sorry. I just, I love good running backs. And uh, Deuce Vaughn, he's an electric factory. Like, 1,400 yards last year, six yards of carry. He's not the biggest guy, which makes him even more fun. I love watching little scat backs, like, really, like, show up everybody. Uh, He will single-handedly be the reason Kansas State bowl eligible versus not bowl eligible. So, uh, they added Adrian Martinez to that team, and I think you could get a lot of nice run action with both of them involved. So, yeah, I think it should be fun. I think it'll be a good time. And what I'm really, truly rooting for is Deuce Vaughn to lead Kansas State to a bowl game in which they play Nebraska because Adrian Martinez said, I came to Kansas State so I could play in a bowl game for once, which was a super weird thing to say because I don't think Kansas State's known for bowling. But – yeah, no, I just Kansas State as a whole is what I'm watching in this conference because I, I just want to see the Scott Frost. This is kind of sick. I want to see the Scott Frost versus Adrian Martinez board go to bowl season. <laughs> and I think Deuce Vaughn will make that happen. So there's like three levels to why Deuce Vaughn's why I'm watching that. Yeah, um, Deuce Vaughn is fun. I, I, it's the only thing I had to say about that one. Deuce Vaughn. Um, that's his nickname. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My guy, I, I'm not even gonna say anything about. It. I'm just gonna say his name, Bijan Robinson. What needs to be said? Should have been a Buckeye. Great guy, great player. Uh, if anyone is gonna challenge for the first round running back that shouldn't have been taken in the first round but was, it'll be him. Yeah, he's insane. Honestly, I, I feel like he's been so incredible the last two years and Texas has just really been like uh, not uh, and it just like you know I think this year I, I, I want to see like I don't want to see Texas be successful like selfishly I do not want to see them succeed because I think you know, football is better when Texas is trying to come back Bijan I do want to see him succeed though yeah, I'm a big if Dijon fan. Go like, the Buckeyes. If he could go for like 2,000 yards and they go like 7-5, and five, that would be ideal for me. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. All right, next guy on my list, Dylan Gabriel, uh, quarterback Oklahoma. We mentioned him a little bit in passing. Uh, lefty, not a fan of that, but he's got some juice in his arm. He was kind of fun at UCF, like was kind of inconsistent there. He is – really going to be and I hate talking this hyperbolic but he'll be like if Oklahoma succeeds it'll be because like Dylan Gabriel was a top 25 quarterback in the country like that's legitimately like if he is good enough to be in like the conversation like probably not the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud Caleb Williams like that level but like if he could be what Spencer Rattler was at Oklahoma like I think you could be very accepting of that. Yeah, I personally I just don't think Oklahoma has it this year, but I think he has to be superhuman. Largely, and it's mainly because of like they don't have any offensive skill talent. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even like. I, don't even, I mean, their best returning wide receiver is Marvin Mims, and he's good. But is he like really going to be a game like be the number one receiver on your team? Yeah, I mean, he was kind of last year, right? I mean, he was technically, yeah. I mean, he he had the most yards, but like, he's not. He's a Jordan he's Addison. a big play guy. Like, he's not gonna be the ten catch a game. Like ten, he's not gonna do what uh, David Bell did for Purdue. Like, that's not him. Yeah, no. So I mean, I yeah. just think that. I, think, I mean, he's got a lot of work cut out for him, but I think the reason I, I want to watch him is because, like, I think a lot of Oklahoma's success rides on him and what Brett Venables could get out of the defensive side of the ball. So those are, like, two things. And, like, now you can talk about potentially being a Big 12 contender. If Dylan Gabriel is one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the conference and the defense could level up, then Oklahoma could have some conversation about it. Yeah, for sure. And I just uh, we're running long, so I just run through mine. Uh, my next one is Xavier Worthy because I mean, outside does of, Texas have the best running back and wide receiver in the Big Ten? Probably. Outside of Ohio also, State, he might be my best receiver in the country. Like, see, I didn't see that last year, but I also really wasn't paying attention. So that's another reason he's an exciting player to watch because, like, people are, oh, he may be better than Jackson Smith and Jigba. I and I want to say no, but, but I don't want to be a homer because I didn't pay that much attention in Texas. So I'm really excited to see what he does. Uh, and then I have uh, Dante Stills, defensive lineman from West Virginia. Had to throw someone in from from uh, WVU. My honorable mentions were Dylan Gabriel and JT Daniels just as quarterbacks because, like, yeah. they both have – had some some rough go at it, some ups and downs. They're both, you know, trying to make this last year or two of eligibility, make something shake, make a name for themselves, play some winning football. Uh, different stories, but still stories nonetheless. So, yeah. yeah. No, I I almost had JT Daniels on my list. I decided to put Gabriel because I think OU's probably going to be a little bit more in the conversation this year. But I think Daniels – West Virginia's always sneaks up on people. So – if Daniels can be like what Will Greer was, like they can be a dangerous football team. He needs to be better than Will Greer, but like I know exactly what you mean. Uh, yeah, my last two, I've got Trevor Downing, uh, Iowa State, really good offensive lineman. Got to give some love to the Hogs. He's one of the higher-rated offensive linemen. A lot of people project him as an interior guy. And then Danny Stutzman. Uh, Brett Venables has had his share of really good linebackers. Like I know Ohio State fans hate James Skolski, but he was really a consistent figurehead to Clemson's defensive success for like five years, six years almost. Uh, he needs a linebacker to step up. And that's if Danny Sussman could be that guy, we'll be there. Oklahoma. Big 12 champs. No, I'm just kidding. Not that far. But you know what I mean. Like Brett Venables, he's a linebacker's coach. It's time. He needs his linebackers to perform. So, naturally, I landed on their best linebacker. For sure. Uh, next next thing we got is coaches on the hot seat. I don't actually have anyone on the hot seat. I, I guess I kind of use the same thing as yours, but, like, I don't I don't know that anyone is, like, imminently going yeah. to get fired. I, I'm um, so it's kind of, like, interesting conversations, I guess. My only thing, and I won't even speak on it because we kind of mentioned it already, is just, like, if this year doesn't go well, he's not on the hot seat now, but it could be warming up Warm, for next yeah. year. 
if this year doesn't go well, do people start rethinking the uh, Matt Campbell? You know, yeah, love. No, that's kind of where I went with all three of my coaches on the hot seat. I don't think any of them are actually on the hot seat. Maybe Neil Brown, uh, if they're bad, bad again. But Stark, the only reason I have him on the list, Texas is crazy. Like, if he has a bad year, they go five and seven, he's going to be on the hot seat. Neil Brown, I just think being 500 at a school like West Virginia, who expects to be in that eight and four, nine and three range and competing for Big 12 titles, is something where you need to see some growth, you know, at least in year, I believe, four. Uh, Chris Kleiman, same at Kansas State. Like, you took over for a legend. Absolutely. Congrats. That's the hardest job on the planet. Like, You've got a lot of work to do. You've built the program kind of in your image a little bit, you know. Uh, It's time to see some results. And I think that's kind of where we're at with a lot of Big 12 coaches. Like, I think there's only two coaches who are like, your jobs are legitimately as safe as you can get with Gundy and Aranda right now. And then the other eight teams, like, you could be a bad season away from getting on the hot seat or you're a new coach. Yeah, I and you just kind of wonder what the up and down of the Big 12 does. Does it give them – do they be like, all right, well, Oklahoma and Texas is leaving, so we're going to give you a couple years to see what you can do in the new conference? Or if it's the, like they're leaving, these new teams are coming in, we want to yeah. get a guy who we trust. So that's going to be interesting. But, like, I mean, coaches get fired all the time, but I can't predict a guy that would get fired out of the Big yeah. 12. Because it could be, honestly, any of them. I, I just don't think Venables is on the list of any – uh, and Joey McGuire's in his first year. So, like, I think those are two where you could be like, all right, these guys probably aren't going to be the ones. And then Aranda and Gundy both had really successful seasons. Uh, if Gundy keeps doing some stuff that his players don't like, like, they might have to. And that's something you can't predict. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch for sure. But honestly, like I could like you said, it could be any of them, but also which would be weird for college football, it could be none of them. Yeah. Like realistically, like no one could get fired. So Yeah, and I do feel like outside of Texas and I'll even throw Oklahoma in here because like they expect winning there. Like there are reasonable expectations in that conference for like what a program is and where they're at and where they want to go. So like as long as you're meeting those more reasonable expectations, like you're going to be like fine with it. Yep. Basically. So just improve your team and then you're good. You're safe. Uh, All right. You want to do PTI like big finish style, these biggest storylines here. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, the biggest storyline is Texas back. The answer is no, but could they be back? Possibly. Possibly. Is Quinn Ewers the guy? I mean, that's going to be fun to see. A lot of hype in the last two years versus as a recruit, and then in his two-month stint with Ohio State, and then in his eight-month stint since the season ended with transferring and NIL and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, I do think it's interesting. I mean, you can't put much of anything in anything, but I do think it's interesting he hasn't been named the starter yet. If he was, you know the second coming, but also that ties into the Arch Manning thing. I mean, Texas is going to be interesting all year round. Yeah. All right. That's one thing. Texas is going to be interesting. I am I, – I think Quinn is – like, I've seen him throw in person. Like, there is arm talent there that you just can't teach. Will that translate? Like, you know, they've had good quarterbacks before that didn't win much. So, I just – I don't think they're back, but it'll be fun to follow. 
All right, Oklahoma under a defensive-minded coach and rebuilt roster. What are the expectations? And we've got the two powerhouses out of the way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I already said what I had to say about Oklahoma. I I don't think Brett Venables – I guess I should stop saying good coach. I don't think Brett Venables is going to take Oklahoma to the Lincoln-Riley level. And Lincoln Riley didn't get them really anywhere but a couple playoffs. And he may make some playoffs because eventually it's going to be 12 team. So it's going to like skew it a little bit. But like, I don't think Oklahoma will ever be a legitimate national championship contender under Brett Venables. And I will let you all decide if that makes him a good coach or a bad coach. Um, we already talked about this one, but just it's the Big 12. Anyone can win. Anyone can win the conference. Anyone can beat each other. Is Kansas going to get two upset wins again? Like, you know, so it's always just going to be fun. Also, I don't have the games off the top of my head. Let's see if they're in this magazine. There are some, I'm pretty sure some Big 12 teams actually play some pretty interesting, like, out-of-conference games. Like, Alabama plays Texas, which is nuts. Oklahoma plays Nebraska, which is going to be interesting. Um... Oh, maybe maybe this is not the conference I was thinking of. These are just kind of regular games. Alabama, Texas is still going to be fun though. And yeah. if you care about the history of college football, we're getting West Virginia at Pitt. Yeah. Uh, what's it like? The they have a fun name for that one. The backyard brawl. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, seven to eight teams realistically win the conference on paper. I, I know. Uh, there's the Pac-12 after dark, right? Uh, the Big Twelve on the other network that you're not watching. I think that's the thing. Like it's there's gonna be a fun game on at all parts of the day. Twelve, three thirty, five thirty, eight thirty of a Big Twelve game. And it's gonna be fun. Yeah, it may not make T V number one, but it's gonna make T V number three. Yeah, and you're gonna have that in the background, like, oh hey, like shoot, all right, this game's out of hand. Let's throw this bad boy on. And that's where I'm at with this. Underrated potential quarterback conference. I, I think I don't think there's a lot of upper echelon quarterbacks in the conference. Like, yes, like you have guys like Quinn who have the potential to get there, but I think one through ten, like I don't think it's a bad quarterback conference at all. No, it's probably one of the most interesting ones, just because of like transfers, injuries, new rosters, new this, new that. There's a lot of good stories coming out of it. Um, I would say. Yeah, I think, like, you go down the list, I think reasonably Iowa State and TCU and Kansas are, like, the three where I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting from their quarterback. And if you have seven out of your ten teams with good quarterbacks, like, that's not a bad thing. Nope, not at all. It's going to be fun. The Big 12 is going to be fun. It it is always fun, um, but it's going to be extra fun. All right, and what we got? We want to do? We want to do a group of five preview next week. We just want to jump to the SEC, keep it power five, and just say we're Ohio State. We don't mess with those teams. Ooh, that's a good question. Sun Belt could be interesting. We got the MAC. We got Sun Belt. We got. I say we do a group of five preview next week. Not like anything specific with each conference. Just a group of five general one, and then we'll close out with the two bigger.